when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, Ashling Malloy, Dry Stock Advisor, Chagask in Percival Street, Canturk, previews a number of important forthcoming events and meetings, plus managing stock on forage crops. Global Market Intelligence Specialist Phelim O'Neill reviews Brexit developments. And also Donald Barrett, Mallow Regional Committee member Dairy Gold, looks at the forthcoming Brexit or no Brexit, fodder or no fodder meeting being held at the GA Complex Carragoon Mallow on this coming Monday, 19th of November, 7.30pm. All welcome to attend. But our top story, Dairy Gold Winter Feed Planning Workshops. With us today, we have Miss Susan Casey, Agri-Sales Advisor with Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Susan is here to talk to us about the benefits of soil sampling and also silage sampling and how Dairy Gold, our sponsor, can help. First of all, Susan, why is it so important for farmers to soil sample? Well, John, um, it's so important to soil sample because it allows farmers to take the correct measures when managing their grassland or tillage. Knowing exactly what to apply to the soil will allow for efficient application of fertilisers and reduce the waste on farm. It allows farmers to work towards optimum levels, which will produce the best yields from the land. It is important that samples are taken correctly to ensure that there is an even representation of the field so results are as accurate as possible. Sampling can be done at any time of the year, but the best time is between September and March as this allows for planning before planting. Ideally, it should be at least three months since anything has been applied to the land to get the most accurate results. What elements would Dairy Gold and your people be looking for, Susan, when you're testing soil? The standard test that's done is on pH of soil and then potassium and phosphorus. These are the key elements and knowing these will allow you to treat the soil accordingly to get the most out of it. The optimum pH is 6.5 for grassland and then closer to 7 for tillage depending on the crop. Low soil pHs will affect the availability of nutrients to the plant from both organic and inorganic fertilisers, which results in wasteful applications of costly fertilisers. Currently, 65.7% of Irish soils which are sampled have suboptimal pH, which is less than 6.3, so that's a lot lower than needed. Um, The phosphorus is important for plant structure, growth and metabolic processes. If soils are very acidic, 
pH is below 5.5, it will reduce the availability of phosphorus to the plant, which will result in a deficiency. The deficiencies will be seen starting in lower leaves and then turning purple and spreading along the whole leaf. Currently, 55.4% of Irish soils which are sampled are P-index 1 and 2, and only 21.1% are in optimal index 3 for um, phosphorus. Um, the potassium is important for the plant as it plays a role in photosynthesis, plant growth and water regulations. Deficiency in potassium will result in stunted growth and the plant will not cope as well in drought conditions. After the extreme summer that we've had, it's very important that this element is right and that's why we're here promoting the soil sampling today. Um, currently, there's only 26.3% of Irish soils which are sampled are in index 3. You said earlier, currently 55.4% of Irish soils sampled are P-index 1 and 2 and 23.5% are index 4 and 21.1% optimal index 3. But as regards the P-index 1 and 2, 23.5% would be index 4. Yeah, index 4 is would be too high. Index 3 would be the optimal one. Index 4, again, can lead to, to issues... Um, with availing of other minerals and nutrients, so you wouldn't want to be applying any fertilisers with that. Just to reinforce that point. Now, turning to our next uh, point in our conversation, are there any other tests which can be done in terms of uh, soil sampling operations? Uh, yeah, John, there's a number of other tests to be done. Organic matter, magnesium is another important element, and then there's trace elements, which is all the kind of smaller elements, but they're still as important. Um, our own Dairy Gold Agri-Services laboratories can carry out all of these tests. Um, however, it is best to speak with your area sales manager or inside sales even if you're concerned about this and which test is relevant for yourself. Now, could you say a few words about the service itself, just to elaborate on the uh, <coughs> service you operate, you offer listeners? Um, Dairy Gold provide the service and have been... Um, the service, we come out and collect soil samples on behalf of our farmers and then bring them into the Dairy Gold Agri-Services Laboratory in Lumberstone. Um, the service also includes a targeted fertiliser recommendation for the following year and fertiliser applications. And how do you actually go about getting the soil samples taken for further and subsequent analysis? Firstly, a form must be filled out by the farmer. These are available in our branches or they can be posted out to you by contacting your local area sales manager or inside sales on 022-31644. That's 022-31644. Um, once we receive the form with your details, these are the account number, number of samples you'd like to be taken and when you'd need them by. Um, we can then contact um, a sampler in your area and we'll arrange a time for them to call out to you. Why should farmers have their silage tested? Getting silage tested, especially in the year that we've had, is so important. The quality of the silage will affect how cows are fed for the dry period and post-calving. Um, the year we've had such changeable weather and trying to produce and source fodder, it's so important that we don't waste any fodder and that animals are not under or overfed, creating any more unnecessary difficulties in the coming year. 
Um, by knowing the nutritional value of the fodder, we can create a nutritional plan for the coming months to ensure that cows maintain or achieve the correct body condition score, but at the same time receive adequate nutrition. Um, it allows farmers for forward planning, for example, if their silage quality is poor, say a 55% DMD, and cows have a body condition score of 2.75 going in at a 10-week dry period, they will still require 3 kg of concentrates roughly a day or another source of feed. Testing your feed will ensure that they have made a plan and have sufficient fodder or feed, um, especially with the weather so unpredictable we don't know what the winter will bring, but vice versa if the silage quality is good, 68% DMD and cows are in a good body condition score of around three, there's no need to supplement for concentrates. So they don't need to go ahead and purchase that. They have a saving they don't need to overbuy. The results of the silage tests will tell you the DMD, crude protein, pH, lactic acid levels, etc. Um, if any customers need assistance in analysing the results, they should contact their local area sales manager or inside sales on 022-31644. Um, Dairy Gold's laboratory test reports will also show whether the level of your silage is high, good, satisfactory or low for the different areas and they'll provide feeding recommendations also. That's fine. Now, turning to perhaps our last point in the conversation, what silage sampling services do Dairy Gold provide? Like soil sampling results, we will arrange for a sampler to go out and take your silage samples. This ensures that samples are taken correctly and accurate results are guaranteed. To place a request, contact your area sales manager, local branch or Dairy Gold Laboratory on 022-315-80. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed. Ms. Susan Casey, Agri-Sales Advisor with our sponsor, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Thank you very much indeed, Susan. Thanks, John. You're very welcome. With us today on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme in the C103 studios here in Mallow, we have Mr. Niall Laffin, Agri-Sales Advisor with Dairy Gold Agribusiness, our sponsor. Niall is here to tell us about the upcoming winter feed planning workshops, which will be taking place in November and perhaps at the start of December. What will you be offering farmers attending these workshops being organised at various locations by Dairy Gold Agribusiness? Uh, well, John, farmers attending the workshops will receive a winter feed plan p- specific to their farm to utilise current fodder stocks and provide solutions to get through the winter to help manage any fodder deficits. This will consist of the farmer sitting down in branch with a member of the Dairy Gold's technical sales team. Now, is there any information a farmer should bring along when he's coming to the workshop? Uh, yes, of course. We require farmers to bring as much information with them as possible on the day to help us provide an accurate plan to see them through the winter. We ask the farmers have their projected stock numbers for the winter months with their pit sizes and number of bales made. Also, any alternative forage that is available on farm or any forage analysis results they might have. What will Dairy Gold be providing for farmers who turn up at these winter feed planning workshops with the data, with the information you've already asked them to bring? At the workshops, farmers will receive strategies to fill or reduce any feed deficit that may be present on farm, along with free winter feed plans going into the housing period. Also, if farmers have got any fodder analysis results back, we'll be offering advice surrounding these results. What are farmers' options if they do have a deficit? Uh, thankfully, this year, in response to the fodder deficits of our suppliers, Dairy Gold Agribusiness has sourced alternative fodder from Italy in the form of alfalfa. This is a legume crop, like clover and peas, and like all legumes, it contains a significant amount of protein. 
Alfalfa has very high intake characteristics when compared to other forages, making it extremely suitable in the diets of high production animals where intake may limit output. And what are the possible benefits of farmers using this uh, alfalfa? Uh, alfalfa is not only high in dry matter and energy, but also has a great buffering capacity, neutralising acid in the rumen and will help in the control of acidosis. The use of alfalfa in cows' diets can help stretch silage supplies over the winter period. What stock can alfalfa be fed to? Uh, the alfalfa can be fed to a wide variety of stock, but it is recommended that if it's the farmer's first time feeding this type of forage, to consult their area sales manager to create a targeted winter feeding plan. Now, if a farmer finds he is going to be short of fodder and is interested in purchasing this Italian alfalfa, who can he contact? John, we ask all suppliers who feel they might be short of fodder to contact their Dairy Gold Area Sales Manager or local agri branch and they will be happy to discuss the matter further. Now, coming to that very important point, people who have been listing in various parts of uh, Cork and Munster indeed, where will the winter feed planning workshops being organised by Dairy Gold Agribusiness be actually held? You might give us the dates, venues and, very important, the times, if they're all being held at the same time. Uh, yes, John. Uh, our workshops are well underway at the moment. We had our first workshop in New Inn Branch, Tipperary, on Thursday and another one in Lumberstown Branch yesterday. Thankfully, we had a good turnout at both locations. On our upcoming workshops, they will be held over the next two weeks in the following locations at 10am to 1pm. On Monday the 19th of November, we're in Gary Spillane, Limerick, 10am to 1pm. Tuesday the 20th of November, we're in Ballymacira, Cork, 10am to 1pm. On Wednesday the 21st of November, we're in Carrigaline, Cork, 10am to 1pm. On Thursday the 22nd of November, we're in Coachford, Cork, 10am to 1pm. On Monday the 26th of November, we're in Raheen, Limerick, 10am to 1pm. On Tuesday the 27th of November, we're in Torelton, Cork, 10am to 1pm. On Wednesday the 28th of November, we're in Ratduff, Cork, 10am to 1pm. Thursday the 29th of November, we're in Care, Tipperary, 10am to 1pm. And Friday the 30th of November, we're in Mitchellstown, Cork, 10am to 1pm. And our last uh, location, John, is Monday the 3rd of December in Butford, County Cork. That's great. A very widespread there, so making it uh, very accessible for people in various parts of the catchment area. If a farmer wants any more information on these workshops or alfalfa itself, is there a number they can ring? They might perhaps get a, a bio or writing material ready for this phone number. You're going to give uh, people, listeners, who want to find out more about these um, workshops. If a farmer has any questions surrounding our workshops or the alfalfa itself, please don't hesitate to contact Inside Sales on 022-31644. And you might please give us that number again. It's uh, 022-31644. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Niall Laffin, Agri-Sales Advisor with Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Thank you, Niall, very much indeed. And of course, thanks to your colleague, to Miss Susan Casey. Thanks a million. Thanks very much, Jack. Joining us on the programme, Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. First of all this morning, Philip, details of tomorrow's match and the phone contact. That's for Belly Feared. And we look back then to Bartlemy for results after that, after we arrange tomorrow. That's right, John. Um, tomorrow, Belly Feared is on, on the venue of the Cotter family farm at Laham Manan Bridge, by their kind permission. And this video will be signposted from Carrigaline and Belgooli. Now, again, I must emphasize that the starting time has to be 11 a.m. sharp. There will be refreshments in the field. And entries, late entries will be taken up to 1 p.m. today. Now, the number to ring for those entries is Nile Tomey, and Nile's number is 086 324 
from Bartlemy Ploughing. You have a list there now, Philip, of the results. The winner's list from Bartlemy. That's right, John. Yeah, last Sunday we had uh, our um, Bartlemy match on the, the lens of Pat Pine, a very um, lovely field and a nice turnout. And the day was not too bad. We had a couple of shows, but it, it, everything worked out fine. These are the results from Bartlemy. In the senior open, first, Morris Walsh. Second, Michael Linehan. And third, Michael Hannon, and uh, fourth was Billy Tarrant, and fifth was Joe Toomey. Um, the under-28, first, Keen Chahan, and second, Jamie Hayes. The vintage hydraulic, first, Moss Fleming, second, Phelan Cotter, and third, Dennis Cummins. The two for a novice was Peter Murray, and uh, Makra, first, Shane Bozang, second, Stephen O'Connell, and third, Kevin McGrath. Two for a reversible, first, John O'Donovan, second, Connor Butler, and third, Perry Harrington. And in the three for a standard, first, Jim Barris, and second, Jimmy Power. And in the single for a vintage, First, Trevor Fleming, and second, Damien Ahern. And in the trailer, two for a trailer vintage, one competitor there, Leslie Wolf. Now, those are the results from Bartlemy last Sunday. As I say, Ballyfield tomorrow. Hopefully, everybody will be in the field by 11 or before it and will be able to get started at 11. So, that's our uh, up-to-date position, John. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed, Philip. Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Donald Barrett, Mallow Regional Committee member, Dairy Gold. Donald, we are going to talk now about your Brexit or no Brexit, fodder or no fodder, where does Irish agriculture go from here meeting. Would you please remind our listeners when the meeting is taking place, the venue, etc., because we've been talking about this for some time, but it's now almost on top of us. So just to remind our listeners about the date and venue and who is invited. Thanks very much, John. Our meeting now is going ahead on the 19th of November in uh, Calgoon, Mallow, uh, GA Complex at, at 7.30pm. Uh, the speakers are Derry Gold, CEO Jim Wolfe, General Secretary, ICSA, Eddie Punch, Fianna Fáil Agricultural Spokesman, Jackie Cahill, TD, Senator Tim Lumbert, Fianna Gael, Macra President, James Healy, and Tagust, John McCarthy. There are also, uh, we have a present representation from AIB, Bank of Ireland, Permanent TSB, and the Credit Union. Brexit or no Brexit, father or no father, where does Irish agriculture go from here? It's been held in Mallow GA Complex in the Cargoon, Mallow, at 7.30pm on the 19th of November. What would you 
think some of the options which might be discussed at this meeting will be, uh, Donald? Well, I definitely say there will be a lot of discussion on the Brexit now because of this situation. We, we're, not, we're not clear at all where we're going. And it's even looking more unclear now with, with UK, uh, with their carry-on at the minute. Uh, we have a deal going through. Will it go through? We don't know. It all depends now on what will happen in Parliament uh, in UK, and we'll see from that. But, of course, if we are faced with no deal, a crash-out with no deal, have you any suggestions as to what might be done? Should we be asking the European Union to now state clearly what they would do by way of supporting Ireland and our industry if we have a crash-out? A crash-out is disastrous for Ireland, and we know that for a fact. It's affecting us already. What is going to affect us after that? We don't know. So we just have to have a major discussion on that and see where it goes. And are you very anxious that people should, particularly in the light of the the near deal we thought we had in recent days, please come along and make this meeting a success? If you are a person with goodwill towards farming, you have a view, you have an opinion, come along and at least keep yourself fully informed of the thinking because it's your future and the country's future and Europe's future. This is an urgent meeting now at this stage and I've critically put out a poster saying it is urgent and it needs to be attended and fully attended and well attended. I am urging all farmers to attend this meeting and everyone is welcome to come to it. It's in the GA Complex Mallow on the 19th of November, Monday night at 7.30pm and um, I urge all farmers to come to it. Do you get the impression, talking to people, that they are anxious to have a forum like this, a discussion meeting like this? If there is a big turnout for this meeting, well, that will obviously impress on the minister, on our MBPs and on the government just how serious the farmers are taking this and that you're being proactive, as they say. Uh, The feedback I'm getting is very good at this present time and everyone is talking about it. They want to come. They want to support this, and I hope they will support it, and I appreciate it if they do. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Donald Barrett, Manor Regional Committee Member, Dairy Gold. Thank you, Donald. On the line from Brussels, Irish Farmers Journal, Global Markets Intelligence Specialist, Mr Phelim O'Neill, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Phelim, welcome to the programme. Now, regarding the current state of the Brexit negotiations, we'll call them, you've been studying this very carefully, and you can identify some very solid progress. You have identified positives in the current situation, despite all the confusion we see in the general news within the Conservative Party in the UK, etc. So some positives, I understand, you can detect. Oh, very much, John. Uh, good to be back again. It's, uh, very, I suppose we've watched Brexit now for two and a half years, and this is the first week that we've got something substantial, something definite that we can look at by way of a plan as to how things might work out. Now, there's been, an, and people watching the mainstream media will have noticed all week that there's a lot of news coverage about how Theresa May is getting on. Uh, will Parliament accept it? Is there any more resignations? If we part the whole UK political debate for a moment and just look at the options, basically at this stage, there's a deal presented uh, or agreed between the negotiators of the European Union and the UK. Uh, that will go before Parliament now, and they will decide to either accept it or reject it. 
the reality is, if they're rejected, then the UK leaves with no deal, which will be an absolute disaster for the UK economy and for the Irish economy, particularly the agriculture sector, of course. And we have discussed many times, you and I, just the difficulties that Irish farming would face if there was a no-deal Brexit. So, if we rewind back a moment then, we look at the deal that's presented, and... Um, you know, at the moment, it looks like there's going to be a great difficulty getting that deal through Parliament. But I think, I suppose, as we get closer to the time, and, and if we are optimistic for a minute and visualise that somehow or another it does get through, well, then I think we've got a fantastic solution for Irish agriculture because it gives us a trading basis to continue on into the future, more or less on the same terms as we have today. So, Phelan, we are dealing with definites, even if there is a great deal of division amongst uh, the opinion over in the UK, in the Conservative Party, etc. But nonetheless, you are saying, compared to the situation even a couple of weeks ago, we are now dealing with definites relatively. Certainly, there's a deal on the table, I suppose, John's the way I would put it now. Cannot be got through Parliament, uh, and this is where you get into the wider political discussion uh, that, quite frankly, I suppose, we all can make our hands and have our views on it. Until the vote takes place in Parliament, we simply won't know. UK Prime Minister uh, on, on Thursday was under an awful lot of pressure in Parliament. Uh, on Friday, certainly the vibe out of the UK press was there were no further ministerial resignations. And, uh, you know, there, she's now getting out and she's attempting to sell that deal. So I think that gives us a basis for what you might call some very cautious optimism on perhaps an arrangement coming into place that, that, that might work uh, in the longer term for, for the Irish farmers and, and indeed UK farmers as far as that goes. So uh, where, where this time last week we had absolutely nothing to work with, I, I think this week we have something that we could say, right, well, that would maybe work if it, uh, if it can be got through Parliament. And despite the present difficulties, it's just possible that things may work out pretty well and all sides, Ireland, the EU and the UK, we will all have made sacrifices, we will all have made compromises, but at the same time, the concept of trading and free access for goods, where at all possible, could work out and anything better than crashing out. Crashing out would be an absolute disaster for Ireland. Uh, absolutely, John. And I suppose uh, uh, the point that you'd make always is that look, nothing will be as good as what we had before. Nothing is as good as a common market where you have 28 countries, including the UK, that are all trading on the exact same terms, that the same rules apply across the board. Uh, you know, whenever you go and move into this new situation, uh, it'll be very satisfactory compared to what the prospect would be with no deal and WTO tariffs, which would actually double the price of beef and maybe put, uh, increase, increase the price of cheese exports to the UK by 50%, which would effectively wipe out that business. Like, there's no point in uh, sort of working that, well, you could do this or do that. You just make it simply uncompetitive in that marketplace. So anything's better than that. If we can get into a situation where the whole of the UK will continue to trade basically on the same terms as it is today, well, then I think that there's something there that will work for Irish agriculture, for Irish farmers, and we'll be able to continue selling our beef and selling our cheese there in the way that we have been doing up to this point. More and more people perhaps will row in behind the UK Prime Minister, Theresa May, and accept this with possibly some very, very tiny tweaking. Yeah, if you looked at the, and, and if you followed the media coverage of the UK Prime Minister's uh, uh, appearance in Parliament on Thursday of this week, when there wasn't a single MP hardly that spoke in her favour, that they were all criticising the deal. But her pushback since then uh, has been, uh, well, 
what is the alternative? What is your plan? And the reality is that there is no plan. And you think of companies in the UK, and I suppose I don't have access to a particular insight of the UK market, but the, I suppose the bottom line that I'm thinking of is, you know, you look at companies like Honda, which would be one of the smaller motor manufacturers there. If you look at them, they have a, a 900 trucks a day coming through the port of Dover. That business will grind to a halt, if you like, if you can't have those 900 trucks delivering the component parts that they rely on to make their cars. You have Nissan and Sunderland, you have got, uh, uh, you've got Toyota as well. So you have, a, you have a major UK car manufacturing industry that draws in truck upon truck of component parts for that business. So, you know, it's not just Irish agriculture that gets absolutely destroyed in a bad Brexit deal or a no Brexit deal as we talk about. You know, the entire UK economy takes a hit, the entire Irish economy takes a hit, and uh, I think that is the basis that we would be somewhat optimistic on that it might work out better in the future than we think. We played a number of times the very interesting interview based on the study done perhaps a year or so ago by the Irish Farmers Journal when journalists went out to the Swedish-Norwegian border and they looked at what had been touted by the Brexiteers, the pro-Brexiteers, the more extreme ones. It had been touted as an example of a seamless border, but in fact we saw that even between the Swedish and Norwegian borders there were procedures and each lorry took a certain amount of time and again between the German and the Swiss border. So this whole concept has evaporated of, you know, elsewhere in the world, seamless borders. They don't just exist anywhere, apparently. When you're outside that single market and customs union, the reality is you do have borders, and you're right, technology has done so much over the years. Like I suppose I'm old enough to remember crossing the Irish border that taking a, a commercial cargo, even of a small, relatively low-value one, it took four, three or four hours to get the paperwork sorted out to move from one jurisdiction to the other. Now, technology has come on leaps and bounds in the meantime with scanners, etc., but uh, the, the studies that we done, we, we conducted two in the Farmers' Journal. One was on the German-Swiss border, the other was on the Norway-Swedish border. And in each case, the pattern was quite similar. You, it was like a great big giant, uh, I suppose, toll plaza uh, with uh, adjacent parking, uh, a site of 50, 60, maybe 70 hectares in size, which could accommodate an awful lot of uh, commercial vehicles. And uh, you had some parked up where there was something wrong with the paperwork, but every one of them had to go through, if you like, this toll booth type thing. And the average time that was taken, I suppose, when all were taken together, was between 12 and 15 minutes. Now, as you look at the Irish situation, 13, I'll just take the Dublin to Belfast Road, the main motorway north. Um, there's 6,500 commercial vehicles cross that border every day between Newry and Dundalk. And if you were to apply a time of 12 to 15 minutes in those, well, you can do the multiplication out, and you can see the chaos that that will cause relative to what we have there at the moment. You need to set aside a massive parking area. You have two borders. Uh, Okay, one side might say we're not going to impose a border, but the reality is the border is going to be there, and it's going to take time to cross it and time to deal with it. Mr. Phelim O'Neill, Global Market Intelligence Specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal. Phelim, we are thinking very positively. We're wishing all the very best to the UK Prime Minister. We're doing the very best we can to be positive. But on the other hand, if there's no deal, we would face a crisis regarding finding markets for our cheddar cheese and Irish beef, etc. But at this point in time, I think we have some basis for hoping things can work out. Yeah, 
we round back a week, you know, and if I had been having this conversation with you this day last week, we would have been talking about, you know, gosh, the clock is ticking here. The 29th of March 2019 is approaching very fast. Uh, June 2016 was when the referendum was. Everything has been talk, talk, talk since. But there's still no deal. There's still no sign of a deal. And we'll be saying, my God, what's going to happen here? Do we start to pan- do we start to, to panic now? Do we start preparing for the worst case scenario? And uh, you know, the, just a week ago, uh, to, the, we would have been having that discussion. Now this week is the first time that something of substantial detail has come onto the table. There's a big issue in terms of getting it approved through the UK House of Commons, but at least there is now something to talk about, something of substance. And, and I suppose that's what would make me, if you asked me today, the cup would be half full with me. If you'd asked me a week ago, I'd have been saying the cup's half empty, John. I think everyone at this stage realises that uh, the UK leaving the European Union, I think the phrase was used back somewhere along the line that they, it was a situation where they could have their cake and eat it. Well, I think that now has become very clear that that's not going to be the case, uh, that uh, when Brexit does happen, it'll be a very different experience from what was sold in the referendum. There's also another debate that's taken place in the UK, you know, about, uh, and, and those that really favour remaining part of the European Union are campaigning to have a second vote, a second referendum on it. And of course in Ireland we, we think back to the Lisbon and the Nice treaties, uh, which uh, failed first time round, they went back and were re-voted on and accepted. Um, I don't think in the mood, the political mood in the UK doesn't seem to be of that nature that they would revisit the issue. Uh, so I, that's why I come back around and say what's left then is the choice or the deal that has been agreed uh, between the negotiators that the Prime Minister introduced this week or is simply no deal. Uh, and as I say, the worst of all, the worst case scenario, try, again, the UK Prime Minister used to talk about, uh, you know, uh, that no deal was better than a bad deal. Well, I think everyone now, including her, has had enough time to study what exactly happens, what a no deal situation looks like. And I think they might come around to saying, look, any deal is better than no deal. And I think that'll be my bottom line on it as well. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Fenham O'Neill, Global Market Specialist, Global Market Intelligence Specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal on the line from Brussels. Thank you very much indeed, Fenham. Thanks a million. Thank, thank you, John. Joining us now on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Ashling Malloy, Dry Stock Advisor with the Chagask Advisory Office at Percival Street in Canturk in Cork Northwest. First of all, Ashling, welcome to the programme. There are a number of very important events uh, taking place in the near future. Could you please give us details of some of these events? Thanks, John. Um, so the first meeting that's coming up is a community meeting on the River Allo area for action, which will be held in IRD Duhallow on Wednesday, the November 21st at half seven in Newmarket. Um, it's going through an overview of why the Allo River catchment was selected as a priority area for action and representatives of the local authority waters programme, Chagas and other people will be in attendance. The meeting is for all those who are interested in their local water bodies, including local residents from throughout the Allo catchment, community representatives, farmers, local landowners, tidy towns groups, anglers, forestry owners, etc. And all are welcome and are encouraged to attend. The second event which is coming up is the second alumni young farmer event which is the topic is moving the farm business to the next stage, so on planning and progression. That will be held on Thursday the 22nd of November at 7pm in the advisory building in Moor Park in Formoy. So speakers include Tom Curran and Liz Duffy from Chagas, Anne-Marie Butler from Ulster Bank and a representative from IFAC. And all young farmers are welcome to attend. 
there are fantastic topics lined up and especially from a young person's perspective as well, it's a good social occasion to be a cup of tea and they can meet and learn about topical issues that are relevant to them on their farms. That sounds great. And of course, we are always talking about the age profile in Irish farming. It's a bit too high. We're trying to entice younger people into farming. But again, a certificate or a diploma or some indication you've done a course that helps immeasurably when it comes to getting grants. Any other events now in the near future you'd like to remind our listeners about? Yeah, um, the last one then is just the National Dairy Conference, which has been held on Tuesday the 27th of November in the Rochestown Park Hotel in Cork. And the theme of this year's conference is Making Dairy Farming More Sustainable. The speakers will include Tom O'Dwyer, Joe Patton, Michael Deneen and Stephen Butler from Chagas, Andrew Cromie from ICBF, Albert McQuaid, who is the Global Chief Technology Officer with Kerry Group, and Natalie Rodenite from the University of Melbourne. So they, they will be going through presentations, and then in the afternoon there will be workshops held. So um, attendees will choose three out of six workshops to attend, and they'll consist of um, a couple of short presentations followed by a discussion. So one of the workshops is on managing our greenhouse gas and ammonia emissions targets. And the second is grassland decisions made easy. The third is coping with the spring workload. Fourth is on contract heifer rearing. The fifth is on building fodder reserves in 2019. And the sixth is making our dairy farms better places to work. So the cost is 60 60 euro, including lunch for um, Chagas clients and 120 euro for non-clients. And you can register online to attend this at chagas.ie. And that's the National Dairy Conference. Yeah, that's right. Turning now to the situation regarding crops, uh, most of the year now we've been talking about uh, forage crops and uh, winter feed for the animals. Managing stock on forage crops. Any tips at all, Ashling, for our listeners? Yeah, so I suppose there's been a high percentage of forage crops sown this year compared to last year, as you say, due to the um, the fodder crisis that we've had so far this year. Um, Locally, where I'm based around Kentuck, we've seen a good bit of rape and kale been sowed. Some other farmers have chosen to sow um, the rape-kale hybrids, such as Interval or Red Start. They can be grazed from now on, um, with the exception to any catch crops, which are sown as part of the gloss scheme, which must remain um, in situ until December 1st. Um, I suppose the big question at this week after all the rain that's after fallen is how are these going to be managed? So they can be um, zero grazed or baled as well, but we'd say that with a health warning. Um, the ground conditions have become a lot more challenging due to the rain. So travelling on heavy la- or on wet land with heavy machinery can cause a lot of compaction issues. Um, some people are choosing to bale the crops, but it's, it's advised to wilt these for two days as they're very high in nitrates. Um, to wilt them and then bale them up after the two days but again back to weather we mightn't have that opportunity to do that either Um, the bales will start to collapse can collapse very quickly after baling so it's advised to feed them out maybe as soon as possible and the other thing just to watch as well is um, soil contamination that there's no um, clay going in with them or these can cause health issues one other tip, I suppose, if you're feeding them out as bales or as zero grazed, is they need quite a lot of fibre. So um, it's recommended maybe that straw or hay is um, placed underneath these and this can help soak up any um, seepage that comes off them and that they still need to be fed minerals along with these as well. Are there any cross-compliance issues regarding outwintering of your stock, be they welfare or otherwise, or simply health issues? Yeah, very good question, John. Um, in general, in terms of health issues, stock tend to do a lot better because they're outside, they have fresh air, um, usually they have a bit of shelter as well so that isn't as much of an issue 
Um, on the cross-compliance side, it's recommended that when grazing forage crops, that for every one hectare that's grazed for cattle and sheep, that there's two hectares of a lieback. Now, with the year that was in it, this might necessarily um, be applicable, whether in terms of its tillage farmers or for um, livestock farmers who just sowed them in one particular field. Um, and lieback consists of anything from stubble to, to grassland. Um, another issue which is coming up is around feeding bales. Um, if a tractor is travelling across land, obviously it's going to plough it up fairly quick. So one of the things that you see a lot of farmers doing travelling around the country uh, in the fields is um, putting bales along the headland. So every if it's been strip grazed, so for every division, there'll be a bale there and it'll save travelling across um, the field and causing any damage. Um, ring feeders are also a big issue, um, particularly again after all the rain that's after falling. Uh, it's recommended that they're moved around a field, but if there's a solid roadway or some kind of or base really that they could be put on um, it would be to prevent the ground getting sloppy and to prevent any um, soil erosion I suppose would be the best word for it it'd be very useful altogether um, one of the biggest problems is when the soil becomes liquefied so you know everybody has seen it this sloppy muck that's around a ring feeder after cattle stand and there a heavy night's rain and that's a big cross compliance issue so whether people need a back fence or they need to have their lie back or moving the round feeder um, this it's very important um, and I suppose just as a follow-up to the, the meeting that's been held in the Allo catchments as well um, another problem is le uh, seepage into water courses so say for example if they're after been sown on a hill there's a water course at the bottom of the hill it's better to graze down the hill rather than up as at least it'll be a bit of a buffer just to stop any seepage running off into the water Thank you very much indeed Miss Ashley Malloy, Dry Stock Advisor, Chagusk Advisory Office, Percival Street, Canturk in County Cork. Thank you very much indeed Ashley. Thanks, Thanks a minute. Dairy Day 2018 is taking place on Tuesday 20th of November from 9am to 5pm at the Punchestown Event Centre in Catechildare. Full details regarding Dairy Day 2018 at www.dairyday1word.ie. The event, which is in its second year, is a full-day conference and exhibition with over 50 national and international speakers and over 70 exhibitors with the aim of providing solutions for an expanded dairy sector. Experts will debate topics such as how to never run out of a silage again, hands-free calving, how to design the perfect handling unit, tactics when cash and feed is tight, attracting millennials to work on dairy farms and getting through your SCAS inspection with board beer. Dairy Day 2018, Punchestown Event Centre, County Kildare, Tuesday 20th of November, 9am to 5pm. Full details, www.dairyday.ie. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.